Amen. I appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12, and that song goes right along with the message this morning. And uh, I want to preach this morning on the fool, uh, the fool. And uh, really, this passage is rather striking because uh, I'm not calling them a fool. God calls them a fool. And, uh, and it's actually quite a, a fascinating passage. I was reminded, even before the song uh, started singing, but uh, I was reminded of this quote. It, it's a, and I don't remember who said it, but uh, he is no fool that gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that one more time. He is no fool that gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And really, we cannot keep anything worldly. That means anything in this world, our, our money, uh, our, our finances, our goods, our uh, possessions, all of those are temporary. We will lose them. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, seeing people saved like VBS... Uh, boy, I tell you what, that's something you're not going to lose. Uh, because, listen, once you're saved, you're saved for all of eternity. Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 20, the Bible says this, just one verse, and then we'll look at the passage eventually, but just one verse stands out. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that we can read, that we can study, God, that we can learn from, and God, that we can, uh, we can prepare for all of eternity based on what you have given us in your word. And Father, we're thankful uh, for your word. We're thankful for the privilege that we have to have your word in our hands. God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And, Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This morning, uh, looking at this idea of thou fool, God said to this man. Uh, listen, people do a lot of name calling. Uh, you don't believe me? Just look online. All right, it's everywhere, and uh, and and much of it is just hurtful and destructive, and and it's really intended uh, than than nothing more than to degrade or to destroy people. That's primarily uh, the cause or the 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 bottom line of name calling. All right. Uh, I remember as a brother, uh, or as a boy rather, and I had two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother, and, and I tell you what, when you can't beat your brother up, uh, you just resort to name calling, you know, I mean, uh, and then you better run fast, because if he could beat you up, you better know how to run, all right? And, and so, uh, so I know what, the, what those are things are about, I mean, that's really the basics, and really, when we get older, it doesn't change much. Uh, the idea is still the same. Uh, but as we, uh, there are some people who actually fit the names that they're, they're called, and, uh, and we find that is true in this passage. When God calls somebody a name, God is not merely calling them a name uh, to try and offend them, or try to uh, degrade them, or to try to, uh, to, to put anything else like that. He's not trying to be offensive, but what God calls this man is a label that fits his actions. 
And God never mislabels people. God never misjudges people. God knows exactly who they are and what they are. And we find here in this passage that God labels this man as a fool. And, uh, and again, uh, God is perfect and he's without sin, so therefore this man uh, must fit that bill. Well, the Bible defines a fool as somebody that hath said in his heart that there is no God. And so uh, this man and his life, I want to look at this morning and examine why is it that God called this man a fool? Uh, notice here in our verse, in, in our text, in verse number 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Uh, go back with me to verse number 17. Go back with me to verse number 16, and we'll kind of get the scope of this. It's a parable that Jesus is teaching. And the Bible says in verse number 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry." Now, if we're looking at this man, and, uh, and he was here uh, in our world today, uh, listen, the world would hold this man as a very successful businessman. I mean, after all. Uh, he had planted the crops. He was not a slouch, obviously. I mean, he was a hard worker. He went out, he plowed his fields. He went out, he planted the seed. He went out and did all the work that was required of him. And at the end of the day, at the end of the harvest season, hey, listen, he had a plentiful crop. And after all, there was a lot. And men would look at this man and say, that guy is a successful man. And I want to pattern my life after that man. Because after all, he's got it made and he's got, he, he had so many crops come in that he did not even know where to store them. Listen, that's the world we live in today. I mean, who are the people that are hailed as those that are successful? I'll tell you who it is. It's those that are on the, the billionaires list. Everyone looks at them and says, man, they are the success of this world. Listen, God's success is not the same as man's success. And we need to understand that. There is a great difference between those two things. And I'm not by any means saying that if you're a billionaire uh, that, that you're not godly. Uh, you can have wealth and be godly. And listen, you can be poor and be godly too. Uh, there is no, uh, I'm not making a statement either way on wealth or no wealth. I'm just telling you this morning that man would look at what this fella had done in a worldly sense and would hold him high as a very successful person. But God does not. And he looks at this man and he says, thou fool. So why does God call this man a fool? One of the things that we can note right there in verse number 20, he says, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. 
And the very first thing that we note about this man being a fool is he had no preparation for eternity. Listen, that's the most important thing. Um, preparation is important. I believe that this man was a planner. After all, uh, he proved himself to be a successful farmer. He proved himself to be a worker that would go out and farm the fields. And he proved himself to be somebody who did have a barn so that he could lay aside the, the things that he would gather in. And he was somebody who was planning and looking ahead. And when it came through that, man, uh, my crops were really good this year. And, and what am I going to do? He started planning ahead and saying, well, this is what I'm going to do. So this man, obviously was a planner and he did look ahead but what he failed to realize and failed to think about was eternity and his whole focus and his whole scope was for the here and for the now and not in light of eternity and God came to him and said, Thou fool, this man, this day, uh, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. And listen, he was certainly a planner, but he failed to plan for eternity. And listen, there's one thing that you can mark down in life, and that is death is certain. There's, there's no escaping it. If you're not saved, if you're not born again, there is no escape of death. It is going to come knocking. It is going to come by your way. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Hey, listen, there is a day of reckoning coming. There is a day of death. and There is no escaping that death. And this man failed to plan for it. I'm amazed at how, uh, how really, how long eternity is. You and I, to be honest with you, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I can't wrap my head around eternity. It's beyond me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, we think of time. We are time-bound creatures. We start church at this time, and we end at this time, and seasons run at this time, and a lifespan is roughly, uh, you know, 90 years, 100 years, whatever it is. And, and if you get extra, then, man, what a bonus. And, and I'm just saying, we think in, in we are bound by time. And so we have a hard time grasping eternity. But if you lived a really long life, and let's say that you lived 120 years, that's not a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. You think about, biblically, how long this world has been around. Biblically, the world's been around about 6,000 years. Now, I have a hard time even understanding that, to be frank with you, because, man, uh, if I lived my, uh, my max days and made it to 100 or 110 or whatever it is that my maximum would be, uh, listen, that's only a, a tenth of a thousand years. And listen, that's not even a drop in the bucket compared to 6,000 years. But then you think about 6,000 years in light of eternity, and that's not even a drop in the bucket. It's like time hasn't even begun in eternity and we have a hard time wrapping our head around eternity but can I tell you this uh, listen you and I we can point to the day that we were born we celebrate that listen we can't point to the day we'll die because we don't know but really that's only 
temporal here on this earth. Because the reality, as we're going through the book of Revelations on Sunday night, is this, that once you're dead, you're still dead for all of eternity, but you will be conscious. You will feel pain. You will understand things. And so uh, life does not end at the moment of death. It is just a transition uh, that will take place, really, to a worse place if you're not saved. And then you'll be there for all of eternity. And what I'm saying is this. Hey, listen, in in your years of life, whether you're 20, whether you're 40, whether you're 80, you better start preparing for all of eternity. God called this man a fool because he failed to prepare for eternity. How old was this man? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Let's just say that he was 40 years old. Let's say he's 60 years old. This was his, uh, man, it was just one of those great years that said, I'm all done and I don't have to work anymore. But in those 60 years, oh, he had laid up enough that he could retire. Let's say for argument's sake, he was 50 and he was going to retire early. He had failed to plan for all eternity. Listen, if he was 50 and retired, what do he hope for? 50 years of good life? Half, half his time? But the bottom line is, 50 years of retirement versus eternity is really nothing. And he continued to fail. And the Bible shows us, the Bible says in James 4.14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. This week we had, um, we had dry ice here at Vacation Bible School. And it was pretty fun. Brother Adam brought it in. And, and it was pretty cool. I mean, you dump water in. But really, all that, that, that creates vapor. And, and, and man, it was kind of cool. You just see it come out of that thing and just roll down. And, and really, but it was, it was momentarily. Moment, momentarily. It was, it was short in time. That, I'm trying to think of the right word. It was in momentarily. I'll tell you that. It was brief, the amount of time that it lasted. Matter of fact, he had to keep adding water and he had to keep adding dry ice to cause the effect because really, after a brief time, it disappeared. It dissipated. And the Bible says, hey, that is what our life is. And we have a short time on this earth. Not only does God call him uh, a fool because he failed to prepare for eternity, but I want you to notice this as well. Uh, The Bible says there in verse number 20, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? I want you to notice this too. He was completely selfish with his goods. It was all about him. There was absolutely no thought of anybody else. It was all about, hey, I'm going to put up my stuff and I'm going to take my life easy. And he was completely selfish with all that he had. He was a diligent worker. He was a planner. But there were some areas in which he failed and and he had no plans of helping others. He had no plans to giving to others. He, He was simply selfish in looking at himself. And God labeled this man a fool. I want you to notice this as well. In verse number 16, notice this. I want you to see God's goodness in this man's life. Look with me in verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man brought forth 
plentifully. Listen, you look at that verse and we breeze over it. Okay, yeah, so he had a good year. No, 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 wait a minute. There's more to it. Now, work and, and farmer's work is hard work. There's no doubt about it. And I'm not denying any of that by any stretch of the imagination. My dad always had us have gardens growing up, and, and I never enjoyed going out and plowing the field. I never enjoyed going out and planting the seed. I never really enjoyed going out and pulling the weeds either. But I tell you what, I did like to eat, and I enjoyed that part of it. But farming is hard work. But can I tell you this? You go out and you plow the ground and you go out and you plant the seed and you go out and you water and you weed. But can I tell you this, that in the end, you are not in control of the weather. Amen. You can't control that temperature. If God decides to send a frost and wipe out half your crop, he can do it. We've had some unseasonably odd weather this summer. It feels like to me we've had some, some hot times, but it just, just it's been odd. It's been kind of off. And God can change the weather whenever he desires. You know, another thing you cannot control, pestilence. You go back and read it in the Bible. How many times did pestilence wipe out entire crops? How many times, you can go back and historically find times in America. Uh, I looked it up when we were studying, I believe it was the book of Joel, and it was talking about uh, all the locusts that came. And I, I thought, man, I looked it up, and, and sure enough, there were news cameras. Uh, I forget where it was in the, in the west there uh, of the United States of America, and just swarms of locusts just devouring fields, so much so that people were, they just stayed in their house. It was crazy, the amount of locusts that came through. You know what? You can't control pestilence. You can't control the temperature. You can't control how much it rains. You can't control how much your crops yield. You put a seed in the ground and you say, man, I really hope that seed does good. But you know what? In reality, that seed, if it's a corn stalk, we'll talk that. That's a little easier to, to grasp. You put a corn, corn seed in the ground and, and you know what? It may prop up and there may be only one corn stalk. On that stalk. There could be five. There could be, I don't know how many they grow. There could be a lot. What I'm saying is you cannot control how much that thing is going to yield. And what I'm saying is this, that this man was abundantly blessed by God, but he failed to realize that. He didn't recognize God's blessing. You say, that's great, preacher, but I'm not a farmer. Can I tell you this morning that God is just as much in control of your job, whatever it is, uh, and your uh, business, He is just as much in control as He is as in anything else. Because everything affects one thing or another. And listen, if God is blessing your workplace, uh, then, then you will get blessed. And, and listen, if God is holding back, then, then and he will hold back. I mean, you think about, go back in the Bible and think about the times that God blessed. These are kind of famines and ideas there. Uh, but you remember the idea of, of Pharaoh when God gave Pharaoh that dream. Hey, there's going to be seven very fat uh, stalks and the seven skinny stalks. They're going to devour the seven stalks. What was he talking about? He's saying, hey, there's going to be a famine coming and you better prepare. You better lay aside for that famine. And Joseph, of course, gave him the interpretation of that. And, and of course the pestilence, the locusts that came in Egypt and devoured all of those crops when they uh, would not let the Israelites go out of their land. And I'm just saying that there's many times that God does bless 
and times that God withholds. And listen, we, need, we would be a fool to not recognize God's goodness in providing for us. And he does over and over. And this man did not recognize God's goodness. You remember Solomon. We're talking about different works. You remember Solomon. We were looking at him in Sunday school this morning. You know what it was? Uh, God came to Solomon, or Solomon rather, went to God. And then God in turn asked Solomon, hey, what can I do for you? And in 2 Chronicles chapter number 1 and verse number 12, Solomon requests wisdom and knowledge that, that God would give to him. And he says, wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. And I I will give thee riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. Listen, God gave Solomon that. God told Solomon, you'll be the wisest man. God increased Solomon. Was Solomon perfect? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just saying that God blessed that. And it was not necessarily farming. It was all kinds of other things. And listen, the Bible says in Psalms, you can note this down, Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. And I'm just saying that God is ultimately in charge of everything that we do, this man failed to recognize the goodness of God, the provision of God. Yes, he did labor. Yes, he invested his time. Yes, he invested his energy. But ultimately, it was pendent on whether or not God would bless and give him the crops that he needed. And God did. And he, he didn't recognize that. Matter of fact, look at what he says. He goes on in verse number 17. We, we can see God's goodness in verse number 16. But I want you to notice uh, that God's excluded from this man's thought. Look in verse number 17. Uh, For he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow, what does he say? My fruits. He doesn't reference God at all. He never says, well, God blessed my work. God blessed my job. God blessed my crops. God allowed me to have all of this, and I'm grateful for it. There was no gratitude. There was no thought of God whatsoever. There was no recognition of God's blessing in his life. Now, I have to say this as well. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I, God hasn't blessed me like that. Listen, God has some that he blesses and some that he doesn't. And it doesn't mean that, that, uh, that some are better than others. You can name wealthy people in the Bible. Abraham was wealthy. Job was wealthy. Godly people that God blessed. But you can name poor people in the Bible too. The widow in the Old Testament that took care of Elijah. What about, what about Lazarus who sat at the gate begging? And so listen, the absence of, of wealth does not mean the absence of God's blessing in your life. I want you to understand that. 
because we're dealing with finances here. And listen, not everyone uh, is going to be in the same place, and, and we're all going to be at different levels, and, and, and they're, they're, God's got plans in all of that, and I, I can't always explain everything that God does, but I can tell you this, that just because one is wealthy does not mean he's godly, and we see that in the example here, and just because the opposite is true too, because sometimes people who are, are not wealthy and do not have, they look at the poor, the wealthy people say, well, they must be doing something wrong. That's not always true either. So the, both things are, 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 neither one of those are true, and we've got to be careful and understand that, that uh, just the recognition of God is what we're looking at, not the financial blessing. But this man didn't recognize God's blessing in his life, and he completely excluded God from all of his thoughts. Look in verse number 17. For he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? So here's this man. He's got a tremendous harvest. He doesn't bother thanking God for it. He doesn't bother recognizing that God blessed him and gave him all of those crops. And so now he's trying to solve this problem I've got all this extra. What am I going to do with it? And the Bible says there that he, he uh, in verse number 17, uh, he thought within himself. There's a phrase I, I was reminded of this past week that, that is all over TV, all over probably social media, and all over a worldly philosophy, and that is follow your heart. Well, you hear it all the time. It just really it makes me sick, to be honest with you, because this man was pondering within himself. And you know what he was doing? He was following his heart. That's what he was doing. Can I remind you that the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and who can know it? This man was pondering within himself. He was thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this problem? And what I want you to know about this man is that he never consulted God about his blessings. He said, God, I've got, this is a good problem to have. I've got more than I need. And what should I do about it? No, he simply thought within himself. He, he didn't have God included in that. He didn't consult the man of God. He didn't pray. He didn't ask God what he should do. He simply thought within himself and determined within himself. Not only that, but notice in verse number 18, his plan. We find, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. His plan was simply pure logic. And there's nothing wrong with logic. I don't even think his plan was necessarily bad. But it did not come from God. And, and he looked at it and said, well, here's the logical solution. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to tear down the barn that I have and build an even bigger barn so that I can, uh, so I can store even more of my goods there. And his plan was completely selfish and completely self-absorbed. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6. I want you to see these verses. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6.
And the truth of the matter is, our plans need to be God's plans. And we need to consider what God wants in our life and ask God what He wants for us. Isaiah chapter number 55, we find these verses that are very uh, impactful to us. And, it, and they really address this idea. Isaiah 55 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Hey, listen, don't let the opportunity that God is near, that God is close by to call upon him, to seek him. Because once you die, it's too late. And God told this man that. He said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Go on verse number seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Praise the Lord for verse number seven. What a great, what a great verse, a reassurance that, hey, God is willing to forgive and willing to uh, allow those to be saved that will turn to him. He goes on in verse number eight. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, uh, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return void unto me. Uh, unto me void, excuse me. Uh, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. We looked at a little bit of this, I think it was last week in the adult Sunday school class. And that is, God does not always ask the logical thing of us. Sometimes God's ideas defy logic. I've experienced that in my life. I'm a logical person, man. I love, I love, I love this and this and this. Then we can do this. I love to, to think through things. I love to be able to see things and, and just put things together. And, and, and I love all of that. But can I tell you that sometimes God's plans simply do not make sense. This man had a logical plan. And his plan was not an evil one. His plan was not a bad one but it excluded God. And that's where it was wrong. Listen, so many times in our life, we get into just logical wheels and we just roll and then this happens, so we're going to do this. And this is what took place, so therefore we're going to do this. And, and listen, it's not necessarily bad, but what I am saying is if we do not want to be foolish, and if we do not want to be, as God labeled this man a fool, if we want to avoid that category... Hey, listen, we ought to consult God. Say, God, what would you have me to do? This man didn't. And he laid plans. And his problem was that he was very selfish. Look in verse number 17. He says, my fruits. Look in verse number 18. He says, my barns, my fruits, and my goods. 
And he becomes very possessive. And, and who blessed him and gave him all those crops? It was God. And who was it uh, that, that, uh, that provided the wood and grew the wood for his barn to be made? It was God. And who allowed him to be in charge of all of those goods that had been bestowed upon him? Hey, listen, it was God. And what we need to recognize in our life is that everything that we have, it comes from God. We need to recognize that. This man failed to recognize God. He failed to recognize God's blessing. He failed to include God in, in his plans and in his, uh, in his preparation. And in the end, God said, thou fool. Listen, how can you not be a fool? Very simple. Recognize God's blessing, ownership, and involvement in everything in your life. That's the first thing. To consult God when making plans. And the three, the third thing is consider other people. It's that simple. It's a godly concept. Think of others. I learned it. You know where I learned it? I learned it in VBS when I was a child. Joy. Jesus others, and you last. It's a biblical concept. It runs through the entirety of the Bible. This man was labeled a fool because, maybe because he didn't go to VBS when he was a kid. <laughs> I don't know. But he missed all of that. He didn't recognize God's blessing in his life. Oh, he was a hard worker. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying he wasn't. He was a logical planner. There's no doubt about that either. But he did not look at God or consider God at all in his life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, I started with this quote, He is no fool that gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You won't lose spiritual things, but you'll lose earthly things, there's no doubt about it. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, we want to be faithful, not foolish. And God, the philosophy of this world is largely humanistic, materialistic. All about the things that we have on this earth. And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that we would be sensitive to you, to your moving, to your leading, to your direction in our life. God, I pray that you would help us to be concerned with your plans and your ways that are so much higher than ours. Sometimes they don't fit with our plans. Help us to be moldable, to follow you in spite of what logic and reason might tell us. Help us to be obedient to what you would have us to do. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, why not come and do business with God? The altar's open.
Listen, we're, it's easy to be tempted by this world. It's easy to grab up the philosophy of the world. It's easy to be pulled into those things. We have to purpose in our hearts to follow God. Say, you know what? I want what God wants. Seek God's plans. As the piano plays, the altar's open. still time. Sunday school lesson for the adults today was about humility. Boy, it's hard sometimes to humble ourselves and realize, well, we're wrong on something. But that's the first step. God said in his word in Chronicles 714, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. 